Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hi, everyone. So we're back from a bit of rest and recuperation after a busy period of FPL just to be met with. Yet another busy period of FPL as the big double looms large within which many of us actually will be boosting those benches. It's been a little while for us, but I have podded fairly recently. I had fun above average just before the break, although I did kind of just end up getting drunk and heckling them a bit at one point. There's, there's too much agreement on that pod, Lucy. It re- really, you know, sometimes someone's got to come in and go, actually, that's a bit stupid. Um, yeah, no, it was great to do. Uh, great, great time uh, with uh, Breaker and Adam. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know if they're ever going to invite me on again after I did heckle them, but hey, uh, they said they had, they had a good time. Anyway, um, sorry we come a day late, uh, busy with real life commitments and stuff um, last night. Uh, so we've had to come uh, on Tuesday. It, it does mean that a lot of the international kind of stuff has happened now and we've got a double game announcement and things like that and i'm back with lucy as per uh, you're all right did you have a good week you just switched off from fpl and just enjoying it weren't you yeah it was great no no southampton losing no red arrows on fpl i did manage to catch a cold so it's probably for the best we didn't record last week i thought it would have been a lot of coughing and sneezing um but yeah no i've, I've quite enjoyed the break that's probably a bad thing to say on a fpl pod isn't it oh well um we are who got the assist <laughs> Whilst Twitter still exists, despite the best efforts of Elon Musk, you can find Tom on the main account at WGTA underscore FPL, and you can find me at Lucy Hynett. On the pod today, we will meander through the events and issues surrounding the upcoming game week, the players to consider, the captaincy shouts, and the usual stuff within the limited choice of a double game week. We will also look at how this affects different chip situations with the double fixtures towards the end of the season now confirmed. And then we'll move on to any other questions. We're recording on the evening of Tuesday, the 28th of March. Most international break games have concluded. So we await the end of the week press conferences with cautious optimism. Yeah, I think that there's lots of stuff about whether that game week 31 for Newcastle and Brighton might happen as well. I think maybe there might be announcements at some point, but if there isn't one, uh, the usual calendar folk have said that just assume there won't be one and it'll be later on in the season. Cool. All right. Uh, the first thing, I guess, we should do the mini league update very quickly because we can actually do a full one for now. Um, what well, big thing to mention is last week I said that um, someone was in second. And I saw this week they scored just 29 points and fallen from like 4K to uh, 400 to 4K. Ouch. So it was quite a, uh, you know, thinking about FPL again, it was quite a, 
annoying week for many but hey <laughs> i've got to, i've got a feel for that for that for that guy um but yeah in terms of the min league itself um quite a few moves and shakers and quite a few respectable scores this week despite it being quite a low scoring one thinking back to how it was in 10th it's villains chris hughes with a 66 he did captain watkins uh, so he must have had a decent team there in ninth up from 13th what would jesus do rob brooks he got a free hit took a free hit and uh and you got 58 Boris Jovasevich, hey ho, Bakayo, 55 points. Again, the Kane captain for him. Uh, Hanus, we get to a Saka captain there. Christopher Blakeman, 64 points for him. In sixth, Havertz captain for Victor Sunday, uh, took a minus four, 56 minus four, stays in sixth. In fifth, Josiah Beradazian, the eternal flame, 53 for him. In fourth, another Saka captain, Saka potatoes, Alex Terry, up from seventh to fourth, 75 points for him. And second and third, both of them got 67 this week. That is Daniel Strand in third and Arav Mendurata in second. Arav's actually just eight points behind the leader, Mark Bleakley. They've only got 45 this week. Bold Tony captain didn't pay off for Mark. So yeah, um, from I think it's about 30, 40 points in the lead. Um, he's uh, yeah, he's definitely looking over his shoulder a lot more now. Uh, maybe we'll come to the market forces in a bit, actually, and bring that in another point uh, in the pod. But, but should we quickly reminisce about the game week that happened yeah. a couple of weeks ago? I know, I know, it, it wasn't the best, was it? It didn't go very well. <laughs> so, I mean, we both got the same team pretty much. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's an identical team now, isn't it? Because yeah, of I think it is. Players, yeah. Well, we have identical teams. We got identical scores at forty-nine. I'm assuming forty-nine is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Yep. A lovely red arrow. I think it was probably just one of those weeks where the colour of your arrow was dictated by your captaincy. And I think that was a pretty tight call for all involved. And particularly after Arsenal played that epic in the Europa League. And unfortunately, we were on the wrong side because we went for Kane. If you went for Saka, I'd be surprised if you haven't green arrow. Um, But yeah, we just didn't. So we didn't get one despite having 11 players. Uh, Wasn't the week to go with uh, five at the back, though, was it either? That's, no, that's no. lots of um, cheaply lost clean sheets, yeah. I'd say. Both bought Chilwell and Watkins for Brighton Defender and Haaland's. I think both of us opinion, didn't we? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those, really. As you said, Captain Choice was basically it. Didn't drop that far, did you? I mean, 49-ish, 50-ish it was, wasn't too bad, I don't think, in terms of the Reds. Uh, no, I think I, I dropped maybe 6 7k. Yeah. It wasn't a disaster, it, but it just wasn't very good. Yeah, I've dropped like 4K to 14K. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, hey, it, it is what it is. And you can just move on very quickly if you're like, well, just catch and see. I mean, fair play. I, I was speaking to someone the other day, actually, and I, I, because it, it turned out um, from using one of the captaincy analyzer things, I'd only captain Sackle once this season uh, compared to most people kind of captaining him three or four times. And that's you know, last week. And also the double game where we both captain Salah, um, 25 over Saka as well. And I was just wondering, like, all right, I, I'm very good at separating my FPL from team affiliation, but I do wonder whether there's some sort of anticipation of disaster when it comes to not captaining an Arsenal player. Maybe there's something about that that makes me think, oh, I don't, I don't want to do it. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like maybe I should try to rectify that at some point or maybe come back to that. Because it's been a while since um, an Arsenal player has been captainable and maybe I've just not been... Somewhere in the recess of my brain, maybe there is a football fan left who is still kind of... They will never of... keep this up, is what you're telling yourself, isn't it? Yeah, They never exactly. do this. It's Arsenal. They'll always grow it up. It can't be, can't be true. Exactly. I, obviously, as a Southampton fan, I completely identify with that feeling, but yeah. probably with more reason than, than you. 
you know, fair play. Nikki Bandini on the Guardian week a few weeks back, she's an Arsenal fan as well, and they asked her, "When are you going to feel like you might win the title?" And she says, "And I, I definitely that empathise with this massively. If we're four points ahead on the final day, that's 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 kind of when I think most Arsenal fans, you can't accuse us of being entitled. At least, you know, maybe some Arsenal fans on Twitter who perhaps aren't geographically proximal to the club, if I put it sensitively, um, may see that a little bit differently. But I think the most long term fans are yeah we're not we're not an entitled bunch that's for sure <laughs> definitely no crowing from us uh, anyway uh let's move on swiftly away from football to the more fun world of fantasy football is mm, it more fun i don't know but, well, um, it's when you're a southampton fan it is actually more fun <laughs> yeah true. Um, one good first question we got in this week actually was from the fantasy brain who asked do you have five hobbies which are more fun than fantasy football that we should take up <laughs> I was just like, it's a week, it's a week after, dude. It's a week after the facts. We've got double game weeks to come and you're still like feeling a bit down about it, which is almost fair enough. I suggested things like, you know, tiddlywinks, you know, hooking, extreme ironing, you know, all that sort of nonsense. But yeah, I mean, I think when we kind of start to get back into it, it'll be all right. But just to kind of start to touch on everything in terms of 29, looking at the fixtures themselves, they're not great, are they? <laughs> It just definitely feels like a case of quantity over quality with them. They're not quite the easy doubles we've seen in times past. Like taking them apart one by one, they really are quite rubbish. Like other than United, Brighton, arguably actually Villa, and none of the form teams in inverted commas uh, have a double. And relying on flaky defenses like Chelsea or Newcastle and Brentford recently, post World Cup as a whole, and actually. Newcastle was the best defense and Brentford's the third best defense. But you know what I mean? Like it's it's pretty crazy. But couple that with the news emerging about game week 34, United, City, and Liverpool, I think, uh, have decent enough fixtures in that. And people are kind of thinking, oh, okay, maybe there's a time to look at that 34 bench boost, which we've got to touch on in a bit. But uh, it, it just feels like from looking at it again, it, it could just be a bit of a damp squib, couldn't it? This <laughs> is the one we're holding out for. And here we are, like- pouring cold water all over it straight away. <laughs> I like how you're like, don't worry, guys, we're about to go into a double game week. Don't worry about your red arrows. Oh, wait, no, actually the fixtures are terrible. Don't get excited at all. <laughs> They're not, not terrible, but they're not they're not fantastic. I mean, the best the team with the best fixtures is really hard to find. Like, I think... I think once you factor in form and kind of general trajectories, um, then I think it's probably Brighton, home yep. to Brentford, away to Bournemouth. But the thing is, that doesn't sound particularly interesting either, because I think, I mean, we were fairly unusual in probably, you know, jettisoning opinion. I know there's quite a lot of people kept him, but most people will be on at least two Brighton already if they're not already on three. Yeah. So it's it's not really that interesting from a kind of transfer point of view this week. So that's that's that one. So then I'm kind of looking and it feels a bit a bit ropey. I'm looking at Leicester, I think away at Palace at home at home to Villa. Yep. Is all right. I quite mm-hmm. like Madison and Barnes both there. So but yeah, I mean the majority of them aren't good and I do agree with you that we've just gone, "Oh, big double game week. It's going to be great." And it probably isn't going to be that good. I know, I know. I mean, I had that as well. Leicester Obviously, a new old manager for Palace, but both of those teams are in the bottom 10 for SUC. So Palace sit from bottom for SUC since the restart. Villa third from bottom as well. Uh, so it's probably them, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and the fixtures around it make them particularly enticing, don't they? So I think it's yeah. 
that you've got those two fixtures we just mentioned, Palace and Villa. Then you've got Bournemouth. You've got a way at City, which isn't great, but then you've got Wolves, Leeds, Everton. So like they're well set until 36 when they play Liverpool. And even then that's not particularly bad. So I think, yeah, Leicester are quite a fun one to look at, particularly there's obvious reason why people are keen on Madison this week, but I think Barnes is quite fun too. Yeah, yeah, I definitely mentioned Barnes in the bit, but it's, it's just it's not United, is it? That's for sure. I mean, I mentioned again the defensive records. I mean, admittedly they've been a bit annoying since we've kind of doubled up on them since the wild card and things like that. But that double um, of Newcastle away and Brentford home for them, um, you know, and people buying in, you know, Bruno as well seems to be quite popular. And again, it links to that idea that it's kind of the, the wider sort of fixture list because after Brentford they've got Everton at home in thirty and Forest away in. 31 most people have got a free hit for 32 33 spurs away i mean sure whatever and then after that they have a decent run including another double um, which is probably going to be involving a chelsea fixture at home so i mean a bruno buy for now probably isn't the worst thing again we'll come on to it a little bit but i can see why people are looking at all of these players it's just that looking at these doubles coming back to them in the cold light of day or in the cold light of a week later it doesn't look something worth writing home about, does it? Really? <laughs> um, no. but hey, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure it'll be it'll be great. It's just one of those things, and we'll, we'll, again, we'll come on to it in a bit. But I'm kind of a bit skeptical about dropping minus eights, minus twelves, chucking out all of the proven assets just to chase the upside of this double. Anyone who did listen to above average FPL will probably have heard my view on this already. But hey, we'll get we'll do it again. We'll do it again. Now, uh, are we still bench boosting? <laughs> there's, there's definitely a question which I've I've seen. I've I've only briefly gone on FPL Twitter because you know I don't want to hurt my eyes too much. But um, I I've, I have been on a little bit, and obviously since the 34 announcement, there's definitely been a, an element of heads being turned a little bit about this. So a friend of the pod, Adam Pritchard said there's you know lots of Twitter talk about not using the bench boost to 29, saving it for a potential 34. Is this just the usual Twitter international break nonsense or, or is it something that has merit? And Goops asked a similar question. Whilst everyone piles into the bench boost 29, that's the best time to use the chips. Is there a genuine case to use it in 34 instead? And I think what we're going to both say is it depends on your team. Right, Lucy? Yeah, literally, the first thing I have written on my notes there is, before <laughs> I say anything, it's team-dependent. Um, so, yeah, before I say anything, it's team-dependent. Do I have to expand me on that? I probably should, otherwise you haven't got much of a pod going, have we? Um, <laughs> I think if you're already tripled up on Brighton and United and your Madison and you've got, you're very well set, then I might be tempted. I'm not that well set. I will probably have two or three Brighton and two United, but no Madison or Madison and not two United, something like that. I, I don't think I'm that well set. And I having looked ahead, I just don't think that I will get that close to a really good team in 34. And the other point is that I just don't like how many variables there are between now and 34. I think it's been quite tough actually to hold nerve on 29, having wildcarded when we did to, to kind of, get ourselves through another four to five weeks maintaining a squad of 15, given that we will, you know, undoubtedly have unforeseen injuries and suspensions and various issues. To me, that's that's quite a lot of anxiety, having to maintain the 15 for that longer period, knowing that you've already played your wildcard. Obviously, going back to the team dependency thing, if you have a wildcard, then by all means, look at 34. I, I think 34's doubles are better than 29's doubles. But if you are in the vast majority of people's position in not having one, then 
I do think it makes me quite nervous. I think a lot of people are already saying, oh, I've got yellow flags everywhere. How am I going to get a bench boost out this week? Well, if you consider that it's just been three weeks since we wildcarded, waiting another four or five could be just a bit too much. I think that's that's pretty much where I am on that one. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, uh, just reflecting what Hindi Monkey, whoever he is, said, at this point, is it worth bench boosting four singulars just to jettison the chip into space? And I think that's the absolute crux of it. Like the bench boost, I think we've seen every year. And again, the argument could be made, well, why didn't you bench boost when Gabriel did a goal and Marcel did a goal, et cetera, et cetera, and so on and so on. Obviously, I think we're aiming for this one, but those who did have the foresight to do that, well done, congratulations. I would shake your hand if I could. But the, the bench boost is always such a, such a milestone, a millstone. A milestone is yeah. a very different thing. No, uh, no, milestone, a millstone. As you reflect on what you were said in terms of how our team is set up and how we make trans, Transfers and such a huge, like, limiting factor of manager choice. So I, I'm almost yeah. happy to be relieved of its treacherous grip. I think um, it can be really distracting for people if you oh. have to keep worrying about maintaining that 15 instead of actually scoring some points. You're like, oh no, that bench player that I'd never normally worry about is injured. Oh, I'll have to use my transfer on him. It just becomes really distracting. Um, and I just I think we've already said that maybe 27 was better because we're on the cusp of it going too long. And I just think, yeah, get rid of it. It's fine. The only thing I would say on that question about if you should bench boost with four singlers, I do wonder if there might be an opportunity there that you might be missing. I think obviously if you're heavy on Arsenal and that Leeds fixture is, is quite a good one, I think that's fine. But there just might be a few where you can look at it and say, maybe there's a risk in a minus four that might be worth worth having a go at I'm, four singlers feels a little bit conservative maybe i mean, I, I think the the single game week has almost feel like the, the a pro for me here in terms of making it but obviously it's very very much about where i am but most people have got arsenal players two or three if you haven't you're likely probably either chasing a lot or you've not done particularly well so you've gone really 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 punty um but arsenal versus leeds a post conte spurs versus everton a Haaland versus liverpool i think those are the likely singulars and none of them are particularly bad fixtures barring obviously Haaland being fit um and i think in 34 unless you've got a wild card as lucy mentioned to set it up it starts to get a lot dicier. Add the time mm. sort of uh, span, the lead time into that, and it just it just doesn't seem worth doing effectively. I mean, in terms of what I'm doing, it, it's probably going to be I'm probably going to be bench boosting with three singlers, and those singlers are two Arsenal home to Leeds and Kane versus Everton, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, even though it's double game week and you could go big on double game week, the fact that the singles are actually decent enough to, I guess, uh, not quite cover off taking a hit but more that okay if you take a hit obviously the the thought process you go through is oh the two-point appearance will kind of cancel out the hit to some extent and it's the case of whether the player that you bring in will beat the player that you've sold uh, on the fields during the during the game week with the, with with a few of the players that people are looking to sell i don't know whether i can believe that's the case so if you're selling Saka as part of a minus eight selling Kane part as part of a minus eight in, in a loss to get doublers, I just can't get behind that, really, um, which maybe, again, is a sea change from who I used to be. Yeah, I think it's exactly that. I think there's a lot of what we say in terms of strategy will will come down to kind of game style and, and how you prefer to like manage risk and your appetite for risk. 
you know, I completely understand where you're coming from in terms of saying hit to remove Arsenal players as they play Leeds doesn't seem that wise. That said, I think there are decent arguments to say that you take the punt against them and if you get lucky, it could be really profitable. It's just balancing up the likelihood of that happening um, and it, it probably speaks to to who you are and how you want to play the game to a certain extent. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not something I'm particularly keen on. I don't think I'm going to take more than a minus four this week. But I can understand why people see the attraction of a risk and a gamble at this point of the season. I just probably wouldn't personally do it. Yeah, if you're not where you are, um, if you're not where you want to be and you just think, right, I'm going to go hell for leather, sort it out, um, take some hits and just hope for the best, hope for the upside, hope the fixtures go well, then, you know, fair play. Um, I, I just don't like it, given that we've spoken about it already. Like, this year, as, I've, as I'm sure you guys will know, I'm so clear that I like to avoid hits every game week because it's basically giving points away. And that means that I go into the week with a handicap, constraints my ability to get a green arrow, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like I'm, I'm probably going to go from what for one move this week and kind of hope, and I'm really sorry if this is you, I'm, I'm, you know, I've, whatever, but I hope other people make the mistake of being lured in by the bright, shiny double game week and take minus eights, minus twelves. You might need to do that, but equally you taking those points away takes the sheen off the actual final score and there's something freaky happens because we've all got quite similar teams and the players people are bringing in aren't exactly going to be those who make the difference against people like me so yeah i guess my born again hit phobia is likely to continue this week and uh, i don't know maybe it's, it's the biggest double of the season and um, but i'm still thinking i won't take a hit so maybe i am born again and maybe i have changed lucy uh, that's for sure uh, probably just uh, before we kind of head into the players just we should do market forces very quickly which again kind of backs up what i mentioned about people selling people players who have um a, a single and um, there are a few of course sales that can justify it so uh, almeron's been sold by almost five hundred thousand managers there's a, a shock that those people are actually holding him but i do he think was he was the list wasn't he the previous week in he was i think i think he was third uh, he ended up being third for ins yeah but you know it's, it's, it's amazing how people will get will always the phenomenon is that okay i've got a player to, who i need to buy at about x price how am i going to choose which player that is oh it's the player who has scored the most points in the price category obviously everyone's got a fair amount of points this season in the budget in the kind of the budget to mid-range midfield option that's why people just bought him in last week before he got injured it was obviously quite unlucky i think it was like friday at 4 p.m when it was it came out in the paraguayan media that he was injured but yeah i'm not surprised to see most of people selling him on and Saliba and uh, Mitrovic also in the top ten, the uh, top five for transfers out as well, unsurprisingly. But then you know you get into the likes of Odegaard, who's got one hundred twenty-five thousand sales. That's likely to include me and likely to include you by the sounds of it by the end of the week. Uh, Kane with over 100,000 sales, um, the likes of Saka, Martinelli sold by about fifty thousand. I was shocked to see that fifty-five thousand managers own Son as well. Uh, fifty-five wow. managers to sell him amazing and Holland also sold by 71,000 and interestingly you've got people selling Tony too um, because of that being on the ninth yellow uh, and on the other side of it uh, Matoma uh, continuing his ascent people must have heard my weeks and weeks of saying oh I bought Matoma once and it was great <laughs> I want a bit of a part of that like 200,000 buys uh, for Matoma I miss when he was beautiful and a uh, differential Isaac oh, out of nowhere uh, scored a brace last week 162,000 people bought him in a solid March <laughs> 130 
8,000 chances in for him and Fernandez and Shaw um, taking up top five. Again, both over 100,000. So quite a lot of people making a lot of moves. And yeah, it's it's, it's definitely interesting. Uh, before we get into the players, I think what was a really interesting question we got asked. Uh, we got, we, we got, it was an old school one for long-term listeners used to do a correspondence um, thing um, with uh, when Anthony was 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 your was was in your seat, Lucy, and he got like people writing in like second captain style on email. And uh, Dave seated FPL did email in to ask us a question. I don't know whether something that's kind of touched his mind when he was uh, shower thought or something. Uh, but he said many people are removing Holland for a couple of weeks, and the main uh, replacement seems to be Watkins and Havertz. The theory is it gets you two extra fixtures. However, with Chelsea versus Villa as a double game week. 29 fixture restricts you because many have Kepper, James, Chilwell, about 50% of the game own a Villa defender. For example, he said he owns Mings too. He says it's not possible, therefore, to have Kepper and Watkins both return or have it some Mings. So instead of two fixtures, we actually have one, one return plus two points. Many will take a hit to do that kind of move around, uh, thus negating potential benefits further. So my question is, how much do you consider players matching up against each other in double game week, especially on a Bench boost because you can't avoid it. Are you only interested in minutes um, or potential returns? And, and how do you kind of navigate that whole thing about players playing themselves? It's it's. I actually think that was quite an interesting question. It's probably a bit of a nerdy one, but I thought it was fascinating because I, I actually looked through my whole team, and I, I, mean, I, I, I can go through who's playing who, but I counted it up, and basically. It, it's only the slight majority of fixtures, assuming that I do the move I'm probably going to do, of players uh, playing in games which are kind of uncontested. So 13 of the 27 fixtures I'm going to have this week are contested, where I've got a, a forward against a defender. Um, and it, it's it's kind of... It's definitely an interesting one. Um, it's one where you kind of just... I don't know. I feel like I close my eyes and pray in those situations. What do you think? Um, well, to to go back to the original question... <clears throat> About selling Haaland and, and who you sell him for and thus whether you can really get the kind of benefit out of it. I, I think the key thing with Haaland was that you were selling him, I think the majority of people were selling him a week earlier than that. And if you bought in Watkins, I think you're probably looking at selling Tony when you yeah. back out of it. So I, I think it's a little bit less straightforward than Watkins for two fixtures versus Haaland for one. Or, you know, there's kind of like a few different permutations around that. And I think I'll probably hold Watkins for quite a while. So it doesn't quite work in that, from that perspective, but I do understand what he means in terms of whether the, it's worth the transfers. And yeah. we did explore this at the time, that it was basically three versus one. And I thought at that point it was worth it. Um, whether that becomes true, I don't know. Um, for the kind of broader question around the double game week and how much your players are playing each other, I, I think to a certain extent, and I know it sounds really unsexy and boring, but I think a lot of the time it's just kind of like covering off both eventualities, you know, spreading your bets a bit. Like as much as I would love to be in a position where I could only make gains, that <laughs> that's just not how it plays out a lot of the time. And I think you just have to be realistic that sometimes you aren't going to make gains on every fixture. And sometimes it's just about kind of like just covering all the bases and seeing how it turns out. And, and one of your players might, might go big. I mean, obviously, you know, a striker getting a second goal against a defender does far more for the striker than it does against the defender. So, yeah, I know it's not very exciting, but I don't look at it in a lot of detail. And I just think it's just one of those things because the, the majority of these players you're going to own for more than one week anyway. 
So yeah, yeah. it's just one of those things, I think. Yeah, I mean, we we all want to make it all gains, like some sort yeah. of pro- protein shake, bro. Um, but I think the reality is that it's, it's it's impossible to do, especially on a week like this, where it's quite difficult. I, mean, I thought it was notable when I was looking through it that kind of the majority of my players who are playing an uncontested game are the singlers, you know. Um, yeah. And it, it's, very, it's very kind of rare that you kind of have the situation with the doubles kind of being shaken out like this. But, I mean, hey, it is one that maybe you would slightly consider so maybe you might think oh i haven't got a player in this set of fixtures so maybe i want one of those and in the case of someone like bruno i haven't got a free hit in 32 as we speak about in the sex so i I probably i'm not probably not going to buy him anyway but the fact that i've got trippier and botman facing him and then i've got henry and raya facing him as well again, might make, make, make me kind of think, hmm, I'm really probably going to be captain Rashford. So I'm doubling down on against my own team if I do that. So it's, it's another it's another sort of anti in the column. It's not the big sort of no, but it is kind of another one that goes in the column. It all feels a bit gnarly, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think that is a fair point, that if you do come to like marginal decisions between A and B, then maybe you might want to factor that in as a kind of, you know, it heightens your ceiling if you if you can avoid players you you're kind of playing against if that makes sense um but yeah i wouldn't make it a decisive factor if that makes no sense. no definitely not well i mean personally i suppose without that 32 free hit 32 it kind of makes things a little bit different for me so maybe should we start with you in terms of the the key kind of men you're looking at and what you're looking to do this week obviously we're calling on the 28th of march and but hey i mean as it stands what are you thinking of doing it's, it's kind of similar to me isn't it so like odegaard out and probably gabrielle out isn't it yes those are the two moves that i'll make i as you said i've got that free hit which i will probably play in 32 so 34 is probably more in the back of my head than it will be for you I guess, you know, to a certain degree, you've got to kind of fill in 32. But anyway, we'll come on to that. Um, so Odegaard, bleh, Odegaard out is a certainty, most likely for Madison or Bruno. And Gabriel is also very likely that'll be Shaw or a Brighton defender, I would expect. I can't afford to do Bruno and Shaw and have the funds for Haaland. So it's going to be have mm. to be, oh, I want Bruno, it'll have to be Brighton defender. Um, if I have Madison, I can have Shaw if I want Shaw. I mean, I'm not really sure on sure on sure um, <laughs> because of the Casemiro absence because I, I don't I don't think that's great news for defence. But obviously, I'm a bit reticent to bring in a Brighton defender having just sold one. So you know, it's one of those things. But I do think Brighton do have the the best set of fixtures as we said earlier. So it seems a bit silly to pass up tripling up on them when I can because I'm free hitting in 32. Um, I had looked at more complex moves involving Salah's return which would probably have meant losing Kane next week for Haaland. But I just think Liverpool's double probably isn't strong enough to entice me to do that. Um, and I'll probably look at just getting Salah in for 34. Yep. Um, I had also toyed with Saka out for whichever of Madison or Bruno I don't buy for Odegaard. But I think I'm probably too cautious. I think there's a argument for doing it, but I think that's just... I just couldn't see a way I would get him back in easily once that you factor in that you need to use your transfer on Haaland in 30. I, d- I just thought that I would just spend the next four or five weeks doing exactly what I did earlier in the season when I said, oh, I really need Saka, but I can't work a way to get him back in again. So, yes, I think it's just those that minus four. There's a, there's a very remote chance that I bring in McAllister and triple up on Brighton, but it's a very all-legs-in-one-basket thing that I'm 
not totally sell them. So that's one of the more distant options, I think. Yeah. No, so sure for Gabriel and then someone, probably Bruno or maybe Madison. Well, if it's, it's Madison, it's it's sure. If it's yeah. Bruno, it can't be sure. If okay. so, I mean, so it had to be, have to be like, Brighton. Okay, so it's like an Estepinian or a dunk or something. Yeah, yeah. Got you, got you. So I, I think most people are looking at that kind of binary, won't they? Bryson Defender and Bruno or Madison and Shaw. I don't know, maybe there's some, maybe there's some got... obscene tea. I, I think maybe I could do that, actually. Yeah, but... I think some people have got more money than me, so they can do the Madison, uh, the Bruno and Shaw move. Nice I've check. seen quite a lot of people on Twitter saying that. I wouldn't say you can. Let me check if I can, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's one, one of those, isn't it? <laughs> but I mean, I I I haven't got the luxury of a of, of a lovely shiny free hit, so I can't. Um, yeah, I can. I oh yeah, I can, I can do it. Yeah. Um, sorry, that sounds so nonchalant. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah. Anyway, oh, so um, many glares right now. I know it's just it's just so much money. That's my problem. Um, but yeah, I, it's definitely something that I guess it's going to wait Friday basically. But not that any of you for listening some maybe some of you would have done made the move early, but wait till Friday. That's for sure. But for me personally, it in terms of what the move will be, I think it is probably buying a midfielder over buying a defender. So I could again remove Odegaard, Gabriel, or remove them both. And I think I I need to bear in mind the fact I don't have a free hit for 32, as you've referenced a few times and as I've referenced a few times. And that means whoever comes in needs to be a relatively medium to long-term pick, because otherwise it means I've I load up another transfer I've got to make. And oddly, that probably rules out buying Bruno. I'm guessing that's going to be kind of the main sort of FOMO pick in terms of people transferring and it also probably means that extra brighton investment isn't a good thing because again it leaves me with a further transfer to make further down the line or i go into 32 basically accepting the red arrow i have to commit them as basically having nine players i know it's not the case for most of you and um, so it's not something i'll go into completely but you know that's, that's kind of my situation which is why kind of i'm looking mostly at a certain ilk of players and i'm not interested in bruno i'm not interested in sure i'm just kind of you're going to be hiding behind the edifice of casemiro being massive for united therefore after casemiro is not in the team bruno will forget how to kick a ball the united defense will concede all over the place and you know I've got my own players playing against them. So it's kind of like, all right, I'm contesting that. It's fine. It's fine. And um, so it's, it's kind of, I think it's Odegaard to a doubler for me. I don't really like any of the defenders in for Gabriel apart from Estepinian uh, or Dunk, which again, same issues about that 32. So that kind of, it kind of is quite helpful actually, because it narrows my choices a little bit rather than having the whole sort of field to play with. I can't get Salah because that prices me out of uh, Holland and 30. But basically, any other midfielder is sort of in the mix, and you kind of the artificial boundaries around 32 kind of help kind of home in on a few individuals. So uh, there's a few players who I've discounted for other reasons as well. So Bowen and Ben Rama. I know that a Hindu monkey is very keen on Ben Rama, um, but uh, at the same time, both of them have got the. Uh, Europe, Europa Conference League uh, hanging around, uh, which I'll be hoping to go deep into. And um, so, if I buy them, invest in that team, we'll come on to West Ham in a bit. I'm not sure about that at the moment. Really, that what that means is I've got Madison, Barnes, and uh, Gakpo or Hapo uh, sat uh, as the kind of the top three as it is. Um, and given what we've said about the fixtures, Madison and Barnes are the ones to choose between. Uh, Madison's on eight yellows, whatever that's worth. Um, but a recent underlying data is great for him. Uh, pure old talisman. 
Barnes-wise, a bit of a zag pick. But what I really liked were a couple of things. One, uh, Rogers. Oh, God, am I really trusting Brendan? Why have I written this? <laughs> I've just written unquestionably. Rogers says that... Roger says that he's interested in he Roger said that his he he's uh he, he loves his role in the team as a goal scorer. Um uh, and uh, I don't know, I wrote that and I wrote it unquestioningly, uh, just copied and pasted it from an athletic article, and here I am kind of thinking, what was I doing earlier on? And okay, also so let's move to your next next reason because that one's yeah, not yeah, that's terrible. And also okay. the fact that Palace and Villa, as well as Bournemouth, all seem particularly vulnerable with considering chances on the left flank. Um so yeah, very nice sort of differential. I suppose. When most people go for Madison, I don't think people were talking about Barnes very much. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's like a studious pick, but it's kind of whether it's going too far beyond the keep it simple, stupid, or just buy Madison. Yeah. I'm, I'm not I... sure where I am on that. I, I quite like him. I, I think um, he's always been one of those who could explode, if that makes sense. And it's one player in my team, which is slightly different, which could could make all the difference. Like, like Matoma did, Lucy. I don't know if I, I told you about that. Oh, but... yeah, yeah, yeah. And how much you well, but yeah, but the other thing you like to brag about, apart from Matoma, is how much team value you've got. So there's no obvious reason to avoid Madison. Yeah, but maybe, maybe not. I mean, it's it's just one of those, isn't it? Like, you know, he's got eight other cars. He's carrying a, a slight injury. It's 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 one of those things, isn't it? But as we said, as we said the other week, if if Madison's not fit, then Leicester aren't investable anyway. So it's it's a bit of a catch twenty two. The only other one I mentioned I mentioned was Gakpo. And he could you know, stay in the team for a long time towards the end of the season, to the end of the season, basically. I did know him. But his, his... Like a, he lasts a long time over actually scores some points. Yeah, yeah his personal, his, his individual days is nowhere. So it's just it's just kind of not worth it. It's kind of one to come back to in 32 when I will be buying a couple of Liverpool players. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's looking like Madison or Barnes. For people that aren't really rich like you in FPL terms... I think Barnes is really useful because I think there are there are lots of reasons why you might not be able to stretch to Madison or Bruno or kind of those two popular ones. And I think Barnes is probably the next best pick after those two from a midfield perspective. Um, I think he's 6.7. He is. Um, 6.7. So I think that's that's pretty good value for, for what he is. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not cool on Barnes by any means. Like I, I quite like him, but I just think maybe Madison's just the keep it simple, stupid pick. Maybe, maybe there's only three points difference between the two of them, um, which which surprised me. Um, but obviously, Madison did miss, has missed like five, six games this season, whereas Barnes has uh, has has not. So I'm guessing majority of that is just appearance. But I don't know. I, I'm it's it's one of those that I'm interested in. Uh, he's got nine goals this season, uh, which is the yeah. that that equals the most goals he's ever scored in the Premier League. So yeah, Brendan Rodgers, goal scorer. Now, do do we go into Utara? Do we go into four point five million Bournemouth midfielders? No, no. Let's let's leave that one be. I do like the idea of Bowen. I've seen quite a few people mentioning him. Has performed well for me. The problem well with Bowen is his price, isn't it? I mean, I think actually West Ham aren't bad in themselves. Like in isolation, I quite like it. The double isn't awful. It's Southampton, Newcastle. That's that's all right. It's just what you can get at their price points that makes me think that they're not a great pick. So Bowen, for example. He's only 0.2 million cheaper than Madison. But for that extra 0.2, wouldn't you just go for it? And if and if money is an issue, I think I'd, I'd prefer Barnes just for the, that run of fixtures that's just so good. And I think defenders, again, I don't hate, but I just I just don't like what they offer versus other options at the kind of four and a half price point. So I just, 
I don't I don't think they're like going to do particularly badly. I just don't think they're going to do as well as some other options at a similar price point. Um, yeah, the other yeah. one's Ben Rama, but you could also get a Brighton midfielder. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's a good question from Jeff Pedder. Um, he asked for low risk, high reward punts for twenty nine. Mentioned Barnes, mentioned mentioned Ben Rama. Um, I, I think the the idea of getting in a, a a second or third Brighton midfielder is is definitely interesting, especially if you if you've got a, a free hit to use in thirty two. Because it's that idea of kind of compound differentials, isn't it? The idea that okay, you're kind of you're, you're kind of both covering all the bases, but also paying aggressively is kind of yes. a bit counterintuitive. But I, I think I, I quite like that. Um, I kind of wish. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't ruled it out myself. To be fair, I, I think all three of them offer excellent value, which is fairly unusual for a team to have that kind of value at that kind of five and a half point. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot to be said for going for that strategy. And actually, when we come to it. If you're into risk, obviously this isn't low risk. This is high risk, but potentially high reward. I think you could do worse than them for a captaincy shout as well. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. No, we'll come on to that in a little bit. Um, FPL Hong Kong, they asked uh, Bruno, Madison, or both, uh, probably both, um, if you can. If you um, can, yeah. It depends if, if, if it's a hit, mm, a little bit more iffy, but potentially. Um, and Dave uh, asked what your thoughts on West Ham. Um, Kind of quickly mentioned that earlier on, but very fantastic as Lucy was kind of referring. Um, but that Europa Conference League uh, makes things very unpredictable uh, for West Ham. And, and they're a team, just in general, you'd be kind of concerned about investing in. I think that that's probably why I kind of have a bit of a, a yellow flag about about buying them. I, mean, I, I like Bowen. He did very well for me um, in the first half of the season. Did very well last year for me. Apart from that one week, I didn't caption him and everyone else did. Uh, not, not not bitter. <laughs> I, I you know it's it's one of those where I, it's it's a it's a player that or a team that you kind of you're a bit cautious about investing in, especially because it doesn't seem like anything's changing, and they've also got the pitch congestion with Europe, and all of those things put together make me kind of wonder. Um, but maybe I could be talk round on Bowen. Maybe someone will have a killer stat somewhere, uh, but I couldn't see anything in particular. In fact, the the, the best stats that I found were uh, from looking at it. Barnes versus the teams coming up, um, and the fact that they gave up chances on the left on on, on the flank that he plays on. Um, so that was anything that kind of drove me towards Barnes a little bit. Uh, plus, I think there was a, there were a couple of people out, out there looking at Madison data and saying he's a bit more kind of playmaky at the moment. Which again, it's pretty cool, um, helpful if you're kind of getting someone the sharp end like Barnes. So yeah, I like Barnes. But anyway, um, friend of the pods, uh, uh, Sam FPL Pricey writes in uh, to ask us, Lucy, uh, linked to all of this. He says, it feels like it could be the opportune week to take aggressive moves to optimise your team for the rain doubles ahead. But is there a delicate balance to strike? Oh, he's been on the pod before when thinking yeah. about ousting high-performing players such as Saka, Odegaard or Kane. Oh, for me, it's selling one of them. For you, you're keeping Kane, right? So it's, 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 it's the same. We're kind of both... Kind of playing it cool. The defense has obviously not been something that you've been particularly writing home about. So it, it's it's that's kind of a bit of neither or over Leeds game. You'd be perhaps expecting a clean sheet. Nonetheless, though, I mean, it, I, I was good naturedly going to say good naturedly heckling Baker on above average the other week by his plans to take a minus eight, which involved selling these players. And I saw on Twitter earlier on that he's still on it to sell and I saw that James on Planet is also selling Saka I mean I love both of them but it's, it's very much kind of a play it your way situation 
and mm. and you know use it several times don't throw the baby up the bathwater. <laughs> it kind of just feels that way when it comes to Saka right now and quality over quantity as well with the players like yeah yeah you get an extra game but Saka versus Leeds feels like a, a really difficult sofa sell like one of those players that you sell pretty much knowing it's gonna it could well hurt you um I, I, I just quite like it's going to be a differential and in the nicest possible way again it feels like that's a mistake I, I've done in the past and now it's kind of a mistake I want other people to make if that makes sense or I think it's a mistake so I'm going to not be doing that yeah I think it's uh, it goes back to what we were saying earlier in the sense that it depends on two things it depends on a how much you like risk and how much you like to take a gamble I think we're probably both on the lower end of the risk scale so that probably is a, a pretty determining factor and then the second factor is probably where you're ranked right now I think someone in the top 20k is quite happy with where they are i.e you probably doesn't need to overthink it too much if you're really chasing hard then I probably would be tempted to move and and, and kind of fingers cross it I'm in that kind of limbo state where I'm about 50k it's not a disaster it's not exactly where I want to be so I'm probably not going to push it too hard. But yeah, I, I kind of don't want to be too prescriptive about this because I, th- I think it does depend on who you are and how you like to play the game. I think it's tighter than perhaps people on either end of the debate would like to have you think it is. And I think you just need to think about how you're planning ahead as well. So if you are in a position where you don't have a free hit, then you need to think about that. If you are in a position where you do have a free hit, how can you best... Um, target fixtures and and kind of plan in a sensible way that doesn't kind of assume that you'll be able to make your ideal transfers every single week because I see people plan you know 12 fixtures ahead or something ridiculous and then say oh x and y and z have got injuries or suspensions and I can't get out the the team I wanted to get out I mean that's just a fact of the game that's that's part of what you are you need to have a a flexible plan so as long as you have a have one of those and you're comfortable with the risk you've taken then go for it i mean I, i'm probably not going to but yeah depends who you are and what what you want to do really yeah there's that there's also the buying Holland back so as you mentioned and yeah. we both mentioned a little while ago i mean I, I okay he has fallen in price so it's probably a little bit easier now um, but it's still one of those where if you bought him 11.5 you sold him at 12.2 and you're kind of like, oh, I can buy him straight back at the same price that I sold him at. Just make sure you can still buy him back before pressing confirm on your moves this week, especially if you're like Lucy and can't afford Bruno and Shaw. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's just one of those. It's situational. It's, it always seems to be at this time of the season. Uh, but so for me, I haven't got a free hit in 32, uh, which again puts me off tripling up on Brighton. Again, put me off of buying another United asset or two. Um, I'm probably going to have to hope that my trio of McMitt Rash, uh, which sounds like a handsaw sponsored by McDonald's, uh, I'm going to have to hope that they're going to be good enough for me for the time being. That Brighton concede, and as I mentioned, that because Casemiro is a huge loss to United. And then game week 32, my flexible plan is to basically play with 10 men because everyone else can be free hitting. And I should probably have most of the most of the players that you want to buy. And I'm going to have to probably deploy the five, two, two, which is going to, it's going to be, it's going to be a great week for me. That one, Lucy, I'm I'm probably, I might not be here, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I mean, it is one of those where, um, you know, you're, you're, 
so that your sins will find you out and the you know it's, it's the butterfly effect all that sort of stuff it's it's like kind of my my decision in 25 which ultimately because of the way the fixtures fell due to the fa cup going completely off piste in terms of how the, the everything fell out it just kind of meant that that free hit i yeah it really, really wasn't worth playing but i couldn't have known that at the time um so now i've got to i've made my bed and i'll have to lie in it effectively yeah, i mean you've had two freak occasions you know all the stuff with the queen that made you gain a whole load of transfer value which you like to lord over me um that's one thing where you benefited and then obviously there was that one that just swung back against you it's just one of those it's just been one of those things and one of those seasons where freak freak occasions have played out and kind of skewed people's fortunes slightly i think for people that don't have a free hit it's just a case of plotting a sensible middle path that just allows you to cover the big rank threats and big hits and you just try not to worry too much about the periphery of the squad being as good as other people's i think really yeah it's, it's me i mean i i'm not the kind of person these days who gets particularly overawed by the fomo but i think for a lot of people especially if you have kind of spunked all your chips it is going to be hard to not want to get in a bruno because i'm i'm sure that that wagon's going to gather pace over the course of this week um and it's going to be hard to not buy in um you know, if you can't get to bruno and madison you know, making a choice between those if you've got um you know if you haven't got the space to again do another bryson midfielder because you've got to take another hit it's, it, it can really start to mount up if you see what people are doing out there um so it's, as you said it's just a case of kind of just seeing yourself as being somebody who's not in the in the in the main drag of what people are doing and and planning accordingly and receiving that advice and actually interacting with it in your mind and thinking actually that probably doesn't apply to me too much um it's, it's interesting though i mean because you're, you're on the main path um as it were <laughs> in terms of what everyone's doing the main quest for us I'm, I'm off kind of piddling around with side quests i mean it's increasingly difficult i think to differentiate Especially, you know, we were talking about earlier on that it's quite there's limited choices in a double game week. I mean, do you feel like it's increasingly difficult to differentiate from the described path now? Yeah, I think so. And I think that can be quite depressing for people. I think you and I have both found over the last few weeks it's just like, oh, we're doing this again and there's this set of moves that we must deliberate between, but there's literally like three targets we can discuss. <laughs> And really, yeah, I, love, I love that. I love that. The, the, the pod is just comes down to, yeah, mon- Monday morning. Uh, we've got a pod tonight, Lucy. Oh, not again. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like people might go to other pods and be like, oh, yeah, they're really upbeat and they love it. Yeah, if you want oh, upbeat, like a, we're not the people for you. <laughs> proper adult look of uh, no, neither of us are parents, um, but we've kind of like you know, parents, the adult perspective of fpl where it's kind of like oh no not again (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, yeah so i think it can feel a bit like that so i was trying to think about kind of the factors that have made it feel quite prescriptive and quite dull for want of a better word and I, i think there are probably four main factors i considered and i think two are probably here to stay so we're just gonna have to suck it up and two that i think will change um, so the two that is to stay, I think mass content creation and the whole kind of idea of having a team game where people follow particular content creators. I mean, realistically, that's just going to grow. That's become more and more and more of a factor. And I don't think that us whining about on a pod about that is going to make any difference whatsoever. So we might as well just accept that. If you are really bothered about being different, you're just going to have to just ignore the obvious template picks. 
And I, th- I think that's just how it's going to be. Um, and the other issue is that I think Haaland, for the majority of the season, has taken captaincy out of the game. And assuming he stays in the Premier League, I expect that to be the case for quite a long time. I think the two that will change, one that's had a massive influence this season, and we've discussed on multiple occasions, is Arsenal, Rashford and a few other players, Trippier, for example, providing crazy value and thus making them kind of must-buy obvious picks that just kill a, kill a spot effectively. You know, until now, none of us were really kind of considering selling Saka. Um, you know, there have been a number of players that are just obvious must-have picks. Obviously, next season, that will change. Those Arsenal players, Rashford, Retripia, they'll all receive price increases. It will start to balance out the game a bit more. Obviously, your Liverpool and Chelsea players will probably have a bit of a drop, but they'll also improve as players, so that will make it more interesting. And I just expect the pool of players that we're choosing from to be more interesting. And I think the other issue that has pushed us this way and I think will be different next season is just because we've had all of these postponements and slightly bizarre things happening on the, the fixture list and that probably won't fall in exactly the same way next season. So I would expect us to be slightly less prescribed when it comes to the second half of the season um, and particularly because we won't have the bonus wildcard that we have this season to flip things around again that hopefully we can all just steadily diverge and not be brought back together again by wildcards and all that kind of nonsense. So I think, you know, some things will stay, but I think there will be more flexibility beyond this season. Or that's my hope, or it's going to be very dull. No, I think you're right. I mean, it's really, just to take the mass, take these point by point, it's, it's, it's really fascinating to see how things have changed since we first started. I mean, we're both on the fancy football scout forums, weren't we? Like back in our younger and more formative years. And and now with this kind of era of mass content creation, I mean, it's, it's not us who have got the massively amplified, amplified voices on Twitter. Um, but I, what you said about it being a team game, I think it's, it's just, it's, it's, that's a really strange development, but one that I've definitely seen, like most the team template, obviously, but then it's kind of team free hit 32 and team no free hit. And also, you know, teams like uh, Team Raptor and Team Andy Let's Talk and Team Late Riser and uh, not copying others, but at least following others' philosophy and making similar moves. Um, some obviously are copying, but there we go. Um, and no, that creates, as we've spoken about a lot, its challenges and also creates its sort of uh, openings, opportunities, its edges. Um, but yeah, I think that's really interesting. I guess in the old days, there was this camaraderie, wasn't there, between us engaged managers? Like and most of the voices in the community, uh, before all of the money got involved, frankly, used to talk to each other, and there used to be like a really nice place to be, uh, where we used to kind of be like, "Oh yeah, it's us against them," you know, and, and us being the engaged managers who are nerdy enough to look into this, and everyone else being like the casuals or whatever. Uh, but now it's no longer the case, you know. So it's all about sort of educating people, which is fine. Also, selling your stuff advertising and then um, yeah it, it's led to a very kind of homogenous place and that's fine you know it's just the, the nature of comp- competition i guess um but yeah it, it creates a sort of lust to share in success rather than take risks and th- that can be an edge and it can also be like give something to, to bear in mind like we've seen players like multiply an ownership out of nowhere like a, a character like matoma suddenly become going from being an fpl manager secret to being over 100 eo really quickly is something that we I, I think we've seen it kind of slowly creep up over the years but remember like Matt Doherty at Wolves he was like 4.4 or something when he first sort of 
people started noticing him in FPL circles. And it took quite a while for the mass adoption to happen. I'm talking like kind of seven or eight game weeks, whereas now within a couple of weeks, everyone's on this guy. Yes. No one's ever heard of before because there's there's widespread of information. Um, so yeah, definitely more of a factor. I agree with that. Holland taking captaincy out of the place. I, I love that, frankly. I just think that captaincy is so annoying. Um, it's, it's, it's like it, we saw it this week and we saw it in other weeks. Just recently, Salah versus Saka again. But splits and captaincy are always incredibly irritating. I, I like being strategic about picking up differentials. I don't like basically choosing red or blue uh, on the roulette wheel, which is what captaincy is if there's a split. And um, I, I've, I've not had a good outcomes from it. And maybe that's kind of framing my response to it, but I'm happy for that. And yeah, it, it feels like the Leicester season with Arsenal, Rashford and Trippier, the players that reduce the space for a battle, as it were, because those players are all truce. We've all got to own them. Like Trippier, 99% EO for the majority of the season amongst the engaged core, no matter where you were OR-wise and postponements. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's... Um, I mean, it was definitely a bit of blowback about content creation and things online but I, I think it's just symptomatic of the, the, the season and the external yeah. factors which have led to the season being like it is i and, think the uh, content creation thing is being obsessed about because of those other factors i think people just need to sort of zoom out a little bit and think about why all of the content creators or you know a big majority of content creators are, are landing on the same picks week after week and it's because all of our options have been reduced Exactly. And it's, it's, you know, we've spoken about double game weeks. So stop double game weeks. Just, just, just stop them let's in their tracks. Have, let's have like a, you know, 50 game week let's, season. Let's have, let's have a mini game week. Let's have a game week for 29.5. That's what I want. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Can I, you I imagine the hits, though, if you had that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it would be interesting, though, just to see if people were lured in or people would just take it or free hit for one of those. And, um, but yeah, it's just, yeah. Um, yeah, we're all converged this year, and all these facts that Lucy has uh, pointed out have all probably come to a head and created a bit of a perfect storm for many things to happen. But yeah, I mean, I look at all that, Lucy, and think this is why I like Barnes over Madison and Bruno. All right, do it, do it. Yeah, well, we'll see. Just just love just love a ginger. Right, okay, uh, on to the captains. So, uh, Rashford, keep it simple, stupid. I mean, it feels like that's the captaincy. Uh, Kieran Farger uh, asked if Madison is worthy of the armband this week. And um, I mean, it's, 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 uh, we spoke about the, the United game not being the best game in the world. Um, but I mentioned already about being on the wrong side of captaincies recently and uh, 25, 28, we're both on the wrong side of those. And I feel like the EEO infused a sanctuary of Rashford from a psychological standpoint might be enough to just make me think, yeah, all right, I'll go there. <laughs> I mean, if, if something does change, I just think, screw it, I'm going to buy Bruno. Then maybe I would just captain him um, and go the whole hog um, because he does like love a double. Um, but, you know, it, I, I think that's very unlikely. I love how um, you've gone from, I'm not sure I want to own Bruno. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think I... I, I don't think I would put it that way. If I did buy, if I did buy him and I did own him, I'd think about captaining him. But I don't. I'm, I'm li- not likely to go past hurdle one. <laughs> Let alone have to think about hurdle two. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I am with that. And Madsen, you know, sure, it depends. Um, but as Lucy mentioned earlier, I prefer one of the Br- Brighton lads. If I was looking other than Rashford, I'd be looking at um, you know, Macadonna, Iffy, um, uh, Iffy. 
rate Solomon March, then maybe him, but I'd probably go with Matoma um, if I was going to go for a Bryson mid. Um, I, I probably, um, unless you're hoping to get lucky with McAllister. Maybe. I think I think one of those two is going to have my vice, but I think it would be Rashford just for, for safety reasons. Um, I don't know. Hopefully you've got on the right side of EO and all that, reduce exposure, all of those things. Um, same for you? Uh, yeah, Rashford will be my captain. Um, I did. I did kind of check that on review because I was wondering if I was just being skewed by EO. Um, but but review has him projected as my highest midfielder anyway, so I might as well might as well just do that. Um, yep. I think I agree on a Brighton midfielder probably over Madison. I think it's quite tight. I think Bruno and Madison and a Brighton midfielder are all quite good picks if you don't want to go for Rashford. But at this point, it, again, it, it depends basically whether you're chasing or not. If you're chasing hard, you probably don't bother with Rashford. Otherwise, I think you you do. Yeah, I don't think I have too, too much more to add on that one. Really, I think yeah, I'd agree with the Matoma being probably the one I'd go for. Definitely gains to be had. Um, and if you're not like us, um, and you know, I know you're not particularly happy where you are, Lucy, but again, you're kind of sitting prettier than other people are. Um, so I think where would the cutoff be for you in terms of not captaining Rashford? Is it? Below the top 100k, is it obviously situational and depends on the sort of manager you are? But I don't know. And for me, what your is. if I was kind of 250k plus, I'd be thinking of captaining elsewhere. That would kind of, I think that's kind of, kind of, kind of where it would be. If it was kind of like, all right, I can kind of attrition myself to get to kind of about 100k ish at the moment. If I'm kind of 200k, you can probably kind of get there. I think if you're kind of below 250-ish, I think that's the point where you kind of start looking at Matoma or maybe looking at Madison, perhaps, and maybe yeah. that's where Kieran is. I think that's... I, I'd agree broadly with that. I think people tend to panic too much at this stage of the season. You've you've got quite a lot of season left and you've got probably a couple of chips to play or one chip to play and you know that you're pretty well set for in terms of fixture planning, which... Not everyone above you will be. So I think it is quite easy to get drawn into, oh gosh, I've got so many ranks to make up. I need to start making big punts. I don't think you necessarily do. And I think it, it comes back a bit to what we were saying about compound differentials. Um, so I wouldn't take captaincy risks for the sake of it, but for if for whatever reason you're not not into Rashford, then I, yeah, it would be Brighton would be probably where I'd go because I, I just think the fixtures are so good. Yeah, no, makes a lot of sense. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's your lot. We'll be back next week. Um sort of mid-double game week again so lord knows what we'll do maybe we'll get a guest on so we don't have to do anything and just let them talk for a bit um sorry jan <laughs> um but hey um uh, it's, it's one of those things um i really just hope that we're not <laughs> the pods not gonna be dated again some big injury uh, kane falls down the stairs uh, getting off his flight or something like that uh, which uh, makes us look at darwin Nunez or something like that but hey there we go yes indeed we were who got the assist? <laughs> you can find Tom on Twitter at WDTA underscore FPL and you can find me at Lucy Hynett with two T's. If you enjoyed listening to this, please like and subscribe to the podcast. For new listeners out there, if you think you'll be coming back, please hit that five star rating across platforms like iTunes and Spotify so more people can enjoy the pod. So yeah, that's it. Back next week. Enjoy the rest of the international break. We hope we assisted you and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Farewell. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.